Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. So here's the thing, we're back in in the same booze. The White Horse in we've been, on a we've been on a pub crawl. We have, haven't we? We've been in two pubs tonight. I've had a beer in each one. Non-alcoholic. Non-alcoholic, yeah. of course. But of we're, course. So we're in the midst of what's going on here. We've got kitchen. Kitchen, yeah. Very TV busy. On. Yeah. A couple of little kiddie winks. Yeah. Uh, no crisps. No, I had my crisps in, in the, the other pub. In the previous pub, yeah. Pub, yeah. yeah. But, hey. and the reason we left the other pub was because the background noise was too loud. But then we got here and the background noise, well, it's it's more chat here, I guess. Um, it was quite loud music in the other pub, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And it was actually quite good music. I was enjoying it. Yes, yeah, So the risk pub. would have been, I would have sung along. Oh, yeah, well, we don't want that. That wouldn't be good for the podcast. No, we don't it? want that at all. So if anybody, if anybody is, if anybody's listening, right, like, like dear listener, um, if you know of any local quiet boozers with little tucked away um little snug areas yeah we want. and as the winter comes on we want to snug with our own little fire <laughs> <laughs> a couple of leather armchairs oh that'd be nice wouldn't it the magazines to flick through and then we can just chat oh and by the way this uh, the freehold for this pub seems to be available yeah so, so if, if anybody wants to buy, buy it, it yeah and then if you if you do buy it on the back of our recommendation if you could just create us a little quiet just put area a door on this bit maybe yeah. sort of a door yeah we'd be there in the cupboard wouldn't we yeah maybe we just bring in our own egg boxes and just soundproof this little bit <laughs> nobody will notice no nobody will notice so this week now here's the thing for this week heather yes while swimming there's a baby, yes, while swimming, hello, yeah. Baby, okay. Oh, hello. Hello. There's a baby and, and a little girl who's in big school. Yeah, she's, she's quite little. She's actually. looking after the baby. Hopefully there's some adult supervision around th- the corner. I'm guessing they are around the corner. Yeah. Anywho, while swimming, yes. Tell while me. swimming. So this is my new thing. Do you, do you know... Well, when we were planning this podcast, and we mentioned it last week, we were sat here in yep. exactly the same seat, yep. and we'd looked through an article about uh, women of a certain age. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, we also, um, then a couple of weeks ago, we looked at an article talking about the exercise. and was it the exercise? Hobbies. Hobbies. Hobbies for yeah. women of a certain age versus men of a certain age. Men of a certain Golf. age, yeah. <laughs> um, but... I realised that I have found the hobby for women of my age and my shape, okay. I, I will add. I was swimming in Ballet Lake this Sunday, you know, as you do, with my cap on and my goggles, ready to get out and get my dry robe on, when this other woman, um, who was also swimming in Ballet Lake, started chatting. Seems like that's a thing you do when you're wild swimming. Well, you talk to people. Yeah, you talk to people that are there. Ooh, that's yeah. a bit... It's a bit sociable for you, isn't it? It is for me. But we were in the water. I felt quite safe. The introvert in me could communicate in the water. She said, oh, what, why, why did you start while swimming? <laughs> why on earth? <laughs> I didn't say so that I don't have to speak to people. No. I said, because it seems like women of my age and my shape are all doing it. And lo and behold, 
by the time I had finished my swim and got out, I must have seen seven or eight other women of my shape and sort of age getting in that water. Do you think they'd read that article? Do you think they were scouring for ideas and they went, well, no good at tapestry or knitting or crochet. What's why I'll get in the water? Was that on the list then? I don't know. I'm not sure I don't think as it adventurous was. as that was on the list. <laughs> but it does seem to be the thing that, okay. that I felt really comfortable with. I'm less comfortable when something touched my leg under the water. Mm, yeah. And I wasn't near any other people. Because it's not like gin, is it? It's not clear. No. Bala Lake. No. So. In fact, when you when you start to swim out out of your depth, it looks like it's completely black. Yeah, I'm not. Oh, that's quite scary. I'm not sure about that. I did used to wild swim in Scottish rivers, which are very often peaty, so they're that sort of brown, peaty yeah. colour. But that was before my brain had gone working overtime as to the fact there could be eels in there. Um, <laughs> so I was just you know twenty something and you know yeah. footloose and fancy free. Now in your 50s, you recognise there are eels and fish. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> so I'm having to blank that out. Yeah. I'm, I'm swimming in a river for the first time this coming Sunday. So I've signed up with what does appear to be a lot of other women. We, I've, I've joined the WhatsApp group of all the other women that are in this group. So I'm, I'm going to sort of size them up to see yeah. if they're my sort of age. Um, probably all slimmer than me but i do comfort myself in that a lot of the women i see doing the wild swimming yeah have got um natural insulation yeah because i don't what? wear a wetsuit right i see that's the thing i would i think I, but then i couldn't if i wrestled myself into one i'd never <laughs> ever get out of it that's really partly the reason why i do the swimsuit but anyway so i've joined this group and we've made a commitment that uh, we're meeting once a month, and apparently in between those meets, we've got homework to do, which is fine. I assume that means going swimming, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not studying, but fingers crossed, eh? And it's September, October, November, and December as it gets colder and colder, <gasps> just to get you used to cold water. But on Sunday, I'm going to be swimming for the first time in a river. Now, I'm not that confident with a river at all, just... Yeah, I mean, I know there's fish in lakes, but I've seen more fish in rivers. You're not swimming in rapids, though, are you? Which river are you swimming not. in? Is it the Dee? In the Dee, yeah. Okay. Um, Chester Way or? Carog. Okay. Which I'm hoping is, you know. That's up above Pangothman, isn't it? Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's raging rapids there. I don't. I think yeah, I think for our first swim, it will be fairly safe. You'll be all right. And presumably, there are people who know that stretch of river you haven't just all thought oh stick a finger in a map and just go there <laughs> no so the organizer does have um accommodation does uh, retreats and oh, right. has um glamping i think just outside corwin oh so that's not far from carrick so i'm guessing that she knows the area quite yeah. well and also the there's a swimming swimming coach as well so i'm okay. guessing she you'll be said yeah you'll be fine yeah and then we're having lunch afterwards at a pub so why? What's not to like about that? Perfect, isn't it? Yeah. And then somebody mentioned cake as well. Okay, well, if it's women of a certain age, it's probably going to be cake. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good, that's great. Not knitting needle in sight, eh? No, no. I don't think you could knit on underwater knitting, maybe. No, that's but that, that was one of the things on the list of hobbies for sort of crap, women over they were 50, feeding us. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, I've, um, my, I've got a thing that, uh, 
something that uh, my husband just mentioned, uh, and it was something that was on Facebook. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. And whilst it's not in the UK, this is a, a bookshop in Vancouver in Canada. Oh, I love a bookshop. And um, the thing that, that Stuart read out was that a couple had got married in a... In a, a bookshop? No, they did not quite. They got married a couple of doors down from the bookshop. And what they did was they arranged with the bookshop, it's called the Paper Hound Bookshop, that all of the guests would go into the bookshop and choose a book. So it was like a book bar and that they would then pay. So instead of buying stupid favours and things like that, I think they just thought, right, everybody goes they into the bookshop. They bought themselves a book from... No, the, no every the guest... Groom bought the books. Yes, so every guest oh. went and got a book. Oh, I was thinking the other way. So they, they oh, buy us a book. Buy us a book for no. our wedding presents. No, no, they did it the other way. So instead of giving favours or things like that, people could go in and choose a book. So it was like a bar but it was a book bar. And I thought, that's genius. You know, that's a really nice thing to do. And then it got me starting to think about all sorts of unusual things that people might do for wedding uh, presents. Yeah. And, you know, instead of having a wedding list, because I'm not a big fan of a wedding list where you basically, you, know, you stick like, oh, a microwave on there. Or, in fact, most people when they get married these days have got a home, haven't yeah. they? It's not like some saucepans and some pillowcases and some tea towels. Um, but then I got a bit engrossed in this paper hang bookshop. Um, and, they're just they're just really creative um they're obviously it's all around books i think they do some second hand books but they they've just got so many different things that they're that they're that they're posting um so for example um what did they say two days ago um they're going to be um open for their usual hours um in anticipation of the fact that someone might need to accessorize their morning for the Queen, oh. um, with this unopened tissue packet from the final crossing of the RMS Queen Elizabeth, a rare instance of non-printed paper matter on sale here. So basically, they've got a, a, a packet of Cunard tissues that were on the <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. Just something, just what completely happened? random. Um, they've got uh, they've got things about. Um, they're just creative. Ask to see our chiclet section. I dare you. And there's a book about bird poetry. Uh, it's just they're just so creative. Um, uh, where are we? They yeah they've got some ex library books. Um, my favourite one was uh, somebody said, "Hi, I'm going on holiday, and I wonder if you could recommend a book for me." Um, and the the guy in the shop said, well, what do you normally like to read? She said, well, I'm... No, not at all. <laughs> so, well, I'm thinking... She's happy pottering around, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> so the person said, I'm thinking something that will transport me, something sensual and exciting, maybe travel or food related. I also like thrillers. So the book um, author um Vendor said, oh, you'll just flip for this incredible 28-page trade catalogue for Peak Freen's Biscuits. <laughs> it's every biscuit on offer since 1910, arranged alphabetically with illustrated plates for each and a trilingual description of texture and taste. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> just, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's just, it's really, it's fun, it's quirky and, yeah. Here we go. What else have they got? A it's a surprisingly quiet hobby, and there's a picture of a book making a tennis racket. <laughs> so they've got all these book old books on all sorts of yeah. things. 
So yeah. Oh, I, 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 I love a good bookshop. And you do get some real nice, quirky, creative humour from every bookshop I've ever come across. Did you ever read the book about the typewriter that was left? We discussed we, that. We did discuss it, didn't um, we? Didn't we review it? Or, or you told me about it uh, in a Big long Business time Groups ago, yes. in our other podcast that is currently paused. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that was where they left a typewriter in a bookshop and people were just encouraged to just type yeah. anything yeah and then they published all of the things that people had typed um so yeah i don't know if it just goes with the territory but you know if you are opening an independent bookshop you've got to be a bit quirky you've got to be interested in stuff and unless it's niche like when you go to hey on why you know and there's a book that's just thr- a bookshop that's just thrillers or just maps or just yeah, i've never books. been to hey on why oh God, it's amazing I can lose my husband for hours, and I like the bookshops, but they have some quite good, like, clothes shops and things like that. <laughs> it's quite a good mix. So the bookshops become like a husband crash. He could, Yeah, he can spend a long time in the bookshops. I quite like, there's one, Booze, which is a very big bookshop um, in an old cinema, and I love, they have a couple of, like, sofas and armchairs. I like sitting and watching the people browsing the books, because yeah. that's really... I, I really love a bookshop with a chair, a comfy yeah. chair in it. Well, we've got one in Oswald Street, Booker Bookshop. Yeah. Um, they've, they've got, got a cafe. cafe. Yeah. I've been. Yeah. It's just, it's just a perfect combination. So, yeah, so that was, that was one of my things for this week. The Paper Hound Bookshop, but just the idea that people are really creative, whether it was doing something different with their, with their wedding guests. You know, we're not going to give you... Oh, yeah, that's where we start. Yeah, we're not going to give you a packet of seeds or we're not going to give you an engraved mirror or we're going to just send you into this second-hand bookshop, effectively, and you choose a book. Lovely. Pay for all your drinks at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Probably cheaper. Yeah, buy you a book that you buy your own drinks. Yes, that sounds like a good deal. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Okay, now here's the thing. Job titles. We talked about this um, briefly privately yes a few weeks ago didn't we and i wanted to bring it up because it's been playing on my mind go on so i was thinking back you you said privately not recorded for a podcast but i'm going to display what, it what, what i said now no, that you said obviously in the work that you're doing you're self-employed you've got your own business and you don't care what your job title is no that makes a lot of sense and i thought back to a particular time in my career 22 years ago or so when i was um financial controller for um plc and they were having some reorganizations and they were floating the idea of um, reorganizing the finance team and all the financial controllers would henceforth be called finance managers okay and i seem to remember at the time going i think that's a really bad idea and and, it was at the, and I was sort of playing with that and thinking what you'd said about the job title doesn't matter and why it mattered so much to me at the time. Do, well, I suppose, I mean, it's a thing, isn't it? Because controller, in the olden days, you'd have like um, a team leader, a supervisor, a manager, a director or a controller yeah. or something like that. Financial controller 
sounds like finance director now, doesn't it? It sounds quite yeah, so it's senior. Sort of, it, it's, I was the most senior person on site and I would have still been the most senior person on site. Uh, but typically, if you're looking at the hierarchy yep. in finance, it would finance manager, then controller, then director. Yeah. If, if yeah. you've got that many layers. Yeah. And I, but I seem to remember the argument at the time that I had was that that change of job title, although personally it would make no difference to the job that I was doing, should I want to change jobs, yes. it would put me, and I think at the time I was looking 10 to 15,000 pounds less just straight away yeah. if I was going in as a with a job title of finance manager when I could have been financial controller or um, which is closer to yeah. director. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it did matter and and I guess that must still matter in some um sectors, some some yeah. professions. I think it does. In fact I was talking to somebody not that long ago and they were having a bit of a reshuffle internally and um and one of the things that they did with a member of staff, because they couldn't give them a unilateral, you know, enhanced pay rise, um, because they had some sort of banding within the organisation that they worked with it. Yeah. So they changed the job title, because the job title would look better on their CV. Which has so got we, value. Yeah. You can actually has, put value yeah, on it. Yeah. In, for their next post. So I think it does matter. But then on the flip side, um, uh, I was working with somebody not that long ago and they are a marketing manager and but they used to have a different title so a similar thing happened and they were very attached to the previous title and I said yeah okay but you work in a very small organization so if you had your previous title and I don't think it was director but say it was director of marketing but not a legal director. Yeah. Um, I think it was head, head of marketing. There we go. So, okay, that's fine, but you're working in quite a small organization. So, if you applied for a head of marketing role in a large organization, you're not up to that job because you haven't got the experience. So, yeah. it works the other you're way. You're head of marketing in a smaller yeah. organization. Yeah. So, you could find yourself applying for all sorts of head of marketing jobs because you think, well, I'm a head of marketing. But actually, it's head of marketing with a budget of £50,000 a year or £5 million a year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so don't don't choose a title that's above your abilities as well. Yeah, don't get too attached to it because you may be disappointed further down the line. So, I mean, I wasn't being flippant. I'm, it doesn't, I've never been attached to my job title because whenever I was employed, I was always looking for what's next, what's next, what's next. And I always tried to work above my pay grade for you know, because I'm what? Okay, well, what's what's the correlation, and how does it all fit into the bigger picture? So I don't think I've ever really been that attached. But then I also know that some organisations, if they're looking to sell or they're looking for investment, they give people swanky job titles so that on the org chart, when yeah. they're looking for the funders, they go, "Oh yeah, we've got a director of this, a director of that, a director <laughs> yeah. of the other." It's bullshit. So I think it's it can be used as a motivator. It can demotivate. But ultimately, you're only as you're only as good as as you are. Yeah, you can call it what you like. Yeah, so I remember working in an organisation, and a colleague had had got a job title which placed it in a finance sector, which she was very proud of this job title, 
but it was two or three rungs above if she was looking for a job yeah what what she was actually capable of yeah and so she was going for job i mean I, you know and you know when you're trying to coach somebody without someone patronizing yeah. But she was going for jobs with that job title, and you'd be better off, you know, going for other jobs or, or changing your job title because you're very confident in what you do. Yeah. But it's not what you say your job title is. So yeah. I do think it has a big impact. What about then having all your qualifications after your name? Oh yeah. Do um, you? No. Mainly because I haven't got very money. No, no. I, I'm not attached. Again, I'm not attached to that yeah. because it's me. It, uh, when you get to my age, actually, what your qualifications are, they're so far back in time. It's your experience that has the value yeah. Yeah. and the knowledge. You know, so somebody, in the same way that, you know, somebody straight out of university could walk in and say, well, I've got this. That doesn't mean if you haven't got any experience, and I know it's really tough. Yeah, but those letters don't mean anything. The, the letters yeah. don't mean anything unless you've got some experience under your belt. Yeah. So don't walk in saying, "Well, I've got a degree," and and you're my boss and you've got a degree. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you know I'm your boss and I'm twenty years older. So I've got some knowledge and experience. Yeah. So it can be really tricky. Glad we're on the same page. Um, I've never used my letters after my name. The only person that ever did it, I've got a real soft spot here for this one. My grandma used to do it. Okay. And at one point, I could legitimately put 15 letters after my name, and my grandma would regularly write to me and make sure she had all 15 oh, letters. Oh, bless her. And it was, I've still got those envelopes. So it started off like with the Aons, you know, the first one, the, the, the NSC. Yeah. And, you know, and as I went through my career, she Oh, what is it? Another one, nice yeah, cycle so, of proficiency. And I'm sure I probably just went on to do further qualifications so my grandma could I need a bigger <laughs> But the reason I've never used them, never used my degrees or professional qualifications or anything like that, is I remember a conversation when we I first started in accountancy for one of the big six. And uh, they said to us, don't you dare, don't any of you use your letters after your name because it's pointless. Because the assumption here is that everybody's got those. Yeah. So why would yeah. you put them? Why would you put it? Yeah. Everybody you work with has got yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah I, I think that's really important. And, and sometimes I think that if people are too attached to it, then what are they trying to prove? And, and, and for me, I mean, I've said before, you know, my email signature says human, want to be good egg. And then, you know, and then it says, you know, coach, trainer, facilitator, and then yeah. direct, you know, director somewhere. In fact, I was doing a talk the other day, and and it's I had all of the things that I am. You know, it starts off with human. You know, want to be good, a daughter, sister, wife, and then trustee of a chair, and then I'm a director of a business. That yeah. that's not anybody can be a director of a business. Yeah, you know, long they have got criminal record or you know, you've been barred. Or been barred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can you can set yourself up as a director. What does that mean? So no, I'm not. No, doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me at all. However, here's a thing okay. that I um, came across this week again on on the social medias. An article saying that Sardinia. Have you ever been to Sardinia? No. Sardinia is um, is paying people to go and live there. Okay. All right. I thought, oh, cool. What's it nice. like in Sardinia? I think it's quite warm. Yeah. It's sunny. Some beaches. Thing isn't loading now. I think they're paying you fifty thousand, fifteen thousand. Why, why do they want people to go there? Because they want to reinvigorate the 
um, they want to repopulate rural areas and they want to reinvigorate the um, pot of skills and knowledge. Where's everybody gone? Uh, I think people have just gone. <laughs> gone somewhere else. Um, so it, it's actually quite pretty. So yeah, they want to combat its dwindling rural population and is offering foreigners 15,000 euros, I beg your pardon, to relocate to its shores. The money must go towards renovating a home in a town with fewer than 3,000 inhabitants. So they're trying to re-energise their, their, their rural like communities. A, like small. a village, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, a small village. And you have to live there full time. Um, and it's the second largest island in the Mediterranean. So that got me thinking. I thought, oh, okay. I think there was, I think Barcelona or somewhere did something similar. Um, they wanted people living within Barcelona. So I, I did a bit more scooting around and I thought, well, I wonder what are the easiest countries to, to emigrate to? Okay. So, cool. I, so I looked at immigration. Have you ever thought of going and living overseas? Yes, okay. I have. Yeah. Any countries that you fancied? New Zealand. You're in luck, kid. Oh, right. So, some of the easiest countries, New Zealand is top of the list. Wow, okay. Australia, Spain, Paraguay. Australia are spider, big, big spiders. Yeah, I've always fancied New Zealand over Australia. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, Spain, Paraguay, Germany, Montenegro, Czechia. I don't know what that is. That's not Czechoslovakia. Czechia. Thailand, Canada, Portugal. Um... Uh, this is about how easy it is to go, uh, to go, it's easy to get in there, we, you know, so they've got certain criteria and you don't <laughs> have to, have even me, they'd have even you, you've got to jump through a few hoops, but not as many, okay. um, but unfortunately, the where I struggle, but it's you'll be all right, table, sorry, where I struggle, but you'll be all right, hang on, we've had babies going past here, and you're oh, telling yeah, me off the top of the table, and um, got to be under 55, so I missed that boat for New Zealand, oh, I've got to move quick, you'll need to, yeah, uh, Australia under 50, oh. but I think if you've got skills that they require, and you, so you could have a temporary skill shortage visa, so if they wanted something very specific, yeah. you could whiz over there, um, but uh, yeah, they also have got a list of the hard Which one of my previous careers would be most valuable to well, them. Well, you'd need to look on, their, range of them. <laughs> look on their list. But the hardest countries to emigrate to um, are Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Bhutan, China, Japan, Switzerland, Denmark, Liechtenstein, Vatican City and North Korea. I'm all right with them then. Yeah. No worries. So, yeah. So if you're listening and you're under 50... And you've had enough of living here. <laughs> you fancy trying something a bit different. Sardinia. Sardinia. Yeah. And Sardinia don't look... I mean, they're only giving £13,000. They don't seem to be as hot on criteria other than you've got to live somewhere rural. But at my age, actually, that's quite appealing. <laughs> don't need the nightlife. <laughs> so are you, are you, is this where you break it to me that we're doing podcasts over... Uh... Thank God for Zoom, eh? Yeah. Do you yeah. next time? Yeah. <laughs> now Here's the Thing is a Jones and Noble production brought to you every week. Well, maybe not every week, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Recorded with an iPhone, a microphone and lots of hot air.